0: Welcome to Union
1: and Oneness. Yeah? You want to write that down for me? Welcome to Union and Oneness. You want me to write that down for you?
0: Right at the
1: very top. All right. I'll write it down. Welcome to Union and Oneness. Which which, if you want another translation, it's the Mature Son of God. How about that? Cool. You want me to bring up the board? Yeah, you can bring up the board. <laughs> okay. Is that good? Yep. And then go back to the Zoom. Samira, so you should be able to see the board. Sharon.
2: Okay, so I think it's real important, like when I'm looking at your board that you're going to go over, mm-hmm. that what Linda said, the welcome to union and oneness, mature sons of God. And... I was listening um, to a couple of Keithley things. Um, one was the shift from mm-hmm. the whatever to the other, and the, from the action, the acts to the, the means, and then I went back and listened to the I ams. And I think it's important that we recognize that we are one with Christ, and that we are the meeting place of the divine and humanity, and that we are all of that, because we can't do any. I mean, do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. Like it's foundational that we need to know that that we're the manifesting sons of God.
1: It is foundational, and, yeah. and what I want to do for the next few weeks is go back and strip some old teachings away, starting in eternity, our perspective, because if we have, you know, it's it's the old garbage in, garbage out kind of thoughts. If you were taught wrong, you're going to come out with wrong understanding. And so we've been stripping away for the last year or two some just wrong teachings. Mm
2: -hmm. But I'm finding it very powerful for me personally to get the truth rather than looking at what's wrong. Like as they're saying these truths, I'm getting more out of that than looking back for me personally of what I have to unlearn. Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is setting you free.
0: Yeah, the truth sets you free and it automatically (laughs) dispels the lies in the darkness. I mean, that's what Christ did, because He is the truth.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and there's some of us, and a couple who aren't here today, that they're they're not there yet. Mm-hmm. They need to they need to know some of the right differentiations. And I feel like if I were teaching this, if I was teaching grace today, I teach it differently than I did two years ago or yeah, five years we ago. All. Okay. Yeah,
2: I'm not. I didn't mean
1: not to. I'm no, I understand. I understand but i think if you bring that that viewpoint into what what i want to do cuz i want to know what truth is yeah. in each of these and so what i what i did and what i want to do in the next well part of november and part of december is i want to learn truth but i want i want to be able to bring the co-creativeness in with that truth mm-hmm. that's what the, that's why i left the co-creative part on the board is because we we have the opportunity <laughs> To take truth to a depth of understanding that we haven't yet had, the, had that uh, that potential to to realize, and it does require us to understand we are one hundred percent in union and oneness with God, and we are one hundred percent sons of God, maturing to the point of being co-creative. And as our as co-creative beings, we he, he prompts us how to change our world, how to change the lives. Of those around us how to change our own lives and and so part of you missed the 10 second or the 10 breath countdown before you got here we did that first today uh, because it helped us settle in but this is foundational but it's but it's taught wrong in a lot of ways at least historically so I want to I want to talk about right so what is eternity sometimes called eternity before time which i think is a misnomer but it's like a, because because we're locked into time sometimes we te- we talk in terms of time and in a lot of historical church teaching it is eternity before time before creation so let me ask you this does god exist in eternity yes, yes. and has he always existed yes has he always existed in three parts yes has the angels always existed? No. no. Why? He created them. Did the twenty-four elders always exist? No. in his mind. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm talking about. When I talk about the twenty-four elders, yeah. they sit around the throne and they they cast their crowns down and they sing. You know, they they declare, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord." I'm still trying to figure out what the function of the 24 elders truly is.
2: So are the 20? No, never, never mind. No, go ahead. No, I so I was looking at the 12 that were sitting on the throne. It's not the 24 because 24 is not 12. Yeah. <laughs> very good. yeah very good. So I got that. As soon as I saw the two numbers, I'm like, "Okay, they're two different things."
1: But there's there's something that exists in the unseen realm which we, you know, which is commonly called eternity. And what we're learning is that our timeline is a function or a portion of eternity, right? We actually, we live as eternal beings. If you know God, John says, eternal life is knowing God and the one whom he sent. That's a now moment. So right now, we are actually in eternity. We're just in a different visible form of eternity. Linda.
0: This is all but boy when when you recognize the union of the four of you together inside of you then eternity is is that and so it always is always was and always will be there's really no distinction when you when you look at it from union and oneness from inside.
1: Yeah. Can you call it my PowerPoint? What? Call up the PowerPoint, share the PowerPoint.
3: E- eternity is, is a mindset. Actually, it's the spirit set. Because God made time, but he's outside of time as well. Yeah. So, so time doesn't affect God, it affects us.
1: So Proverbs 8.23, King James Version. I have been established from everlasting from the beginning before there was ever an earth. Who's that talking about? This one's actually talking about Jesus. I have been established from everlasting from the beginning before there was ever an earth.
0: Well, just as
1: he is, so am I. There you go. And Ephesians 1.4, which we'll get to in a minute, confirms that. From everlasting, I was established from the beginning before the earth began. That's the Berean study Bible. So can I just kind
4: of bounce off of what Linda said when we, can I go there a minute? Yeah. When Linda said when you get that concept of it's you and Trinity it goes beyond that. It's not just me and Trinity, it's me and Sharon and Linda and Ron and Melody and, and all mankind. It's it's all and it's everybody. It's all mankind. And when you start to see that, then you you shed that Lone Ranger kind of yeah. mindset that, you know you realize, hey, wait a minute, what,
1: what I do to me, I do to somebody else. Keep going. I'm listening. No, listen. See, in the New Living Translation, so I was appointed in ages past at the very first before the earth began. What was Jesus appointed for, for before the foundations of the universe? Say that again. What was Jesus appointed for in ages past before the earth began? I'm a to guess creation. Okay. Restoration. Restoration. What else?
5: For redemption.
1: Redemption.
4: Salvation and all that it includes.
1: Salvation and all that it includes. From before the foundation of the universe, we're, it's going to make, when you see Ephesians 1.4, this will begin to fit. Okay. We'll go to the next slide. Ephesians 1.4. In the New King James Version, "...just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. For He chose us," from the Brian, it says, "...for He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in His presence." New Living, "...even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes." So in eternity... God, as we know, has already thought about us, and he chose us. So before he chose us, he had to picture us in him and pictured us in union with him. Can union ever be broken? No, because it's not dependent on us. He declared us to be in union and oneness. All right, Carol, next one. Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, creation, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Go figure that one out.
4: Well, it's the truth.
1: It's the truth. Where do we see them? In the physical world. In the physical world. Okay. <laughs> Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead so that we are without excuse.
0: Well, he brings the visible from the invisible.
1: Yes. All right, Carol, if you can push that one up so we can see it from the Brian's side. Brian's Study Bible. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from his workmanship, so that men are without excuse. Are you his workmanship? You see not just in the natural, but as sons of God, you see where? Inside. You see the invisible and you see the visible. And you see him in both. We've complicated it. I mean, if you begin to declare and meditate, I see in the natural and in the invisible realm the attributes, the fullness of God, and as a son of God, I can co-create that in the natural. What happens to our world? Go.
6: Uh,
2: well, one of the things I've been contemplating is what is my, per- why, why are we here? And I've like I'm this like I envision a skid line like you have right there, eternity, and we <laughs> come to Earth, blah 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 blah, and then we go back into eternity. Sometimes I'm like, is it just so that we can see what we can do? Oh. What we can co-create, you know, like I've been so focused on saving the world, but what if it's like so? Uh, this I just had to say this because this is something I've been contemplating. I almost feel like it's like, yeah, pick me, Juke, come on Earth and see. Okay, if I'm a manifesting son of God and I bear fruit because I'm on the you know the branch and the vine, what if it's about co-creating and seeing what we can do together on this Earth?
1: Yeah, yeah. Ooh, like see what kind of fruit comes out of it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're in a light. So whatever we create or whatever we do bring it's a light to the world.
1: Yep. So in, you know, you know, if Don Keithley is correct that Genesis one is God imagining creation and Genesis two is creation, his act, acts of creation, how much life Can and energy? I didn't understand. Sure. That. Don Keithley says Genesis one. He taught recently Genesis 1 is God-imagining creation. Mm -hmm. And in Genesis 2, he spoke it into existence. See, I've always struggled with trying to figure out Genesis 1 and 2 because they seem to contradict. Mm -hmm. But if Genesis 1 is actually God's imagination of creation and Genesis 2 is the expression of creation, now it fits. Mm -hmm. And so, so you have Genesis 1, you have Genesis 2, you lost, Stuart?
3: I'm kind of getting it. Talk to me. Well, I'm seeing it. It's just I'm going to have to reread those and, and put that into focus. And
1: if you go back so, about five weeks or so, I think Don was teaching on this. I remember that. Yeah. Can, can I something? Yes, girl.
0: So,
4: okay, looking at those scriptures up there, um, it says, his invisible attribute are clearly seen being understand by the things that are made okay I'm one of the things that he made yep well if I focus on seeing his invisible attributes, if I look for God's character all around me, I'm gonna see it yes if I look for if I look for people's faults and flaws all around me, I'm gonna see them. yep
1: yep So which do you want to look for?
4: God's attributes
1: okay? Good. It's good. What do you think it
2: means without excuse? So that men are without excuse.
1: You can't you can't deny that they're there. And here's what's here's, I mean, mentally we can. And what's that gonna do to us physically?
0: It's gonna
1: mess us up. Yeah. Because it disconnects us from the light. Mm-hmm. In a sense that if we don't perceive the light, we don't perceive the life that's in it. Mm-hmm. Marilyn.
6: I have a question about between Genesis verse 1 and Genesis verse 2 seems to be a gap <laughs> because, and, and I like what Keithley said that he imagined it, but there's still a question who did Cain marry?
1: Well, we'll talk about they that in a minute. A but see, that's not but Genesis 1. If Genesis one is his imagination, there is no gap between Genesis one and Genesis two because it's all taking place in his mind, in his heart. Genesis two, you're talking about Genesis one one and Genesis one two, right? You said there's a yeah, well,
6: and even between Genesis one one and Genesis verse Genesis one verse two, okay, seems to be a gap.
1: But see, that, that's if you think of Genesis 1 as the actual creation moment. No. Yeah.
6: No, I, that's why I say it seems like it's his thought mm-hmm. in Genesis 1, 1 period.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: And then after that, it, he starts to go into creation. No,
1: all of Don Keithley saying all of Genesis chapter one is the imagination of God laying out creation. Okay, I
6: can't oh, wait you
1: the, the whole chapter.
6: I can't wait till you teach about Seth's wife and the city he went to.
1: Okay, we can talk that, about that in a minute. Genesis two, if that is the actual physical act of the creation itself, then God is putting things in place, right? Let's go, to, let's, let's go to the next slide, which is the new living part of Romans 1.
0: Well, Genesis 2, though, starts out with heaven and earth were finished. Yeah, and on the seventh day.
1: Yeah, but somewhere between the end of it is very good in Genesis 1.31 and Genesis 2 is creation. God spoke and it was created. That's what Don is saying. You can take that. I mean, I'm not saying you have to believe it. That's what he's saying. I think it makes more sense to me.
0: 31 says, God looked over everything he had made. It was good, so very good. It was evening, it was morning, day six. That's 131.
1: Right, but that's in his mind at that point, according to Don.
0: Okay, so two starts, heaven and earth were finished. Down Go
1: to 2-5. What? Go to
0: 2-5. At the time God made heaven and earth, before any grasses or shrubs had sprouted from the ground, God had not yet sent rain on earth.
1: Okay, keep going.
0: Nor were nor was there anyone around to work the ground.
1: Stop. Adam hadn't been created yet. Right. So it couldn't have been created in Genesis 1, according to Don. He had to be created in Genesis 2. Because Adam Adam wasn't there yet.
2: On 7 it says, and the Lord God formed man.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but in Genesis 1... You're, I mean, most people have been taught in Genesis one by verse thirty-one, all of creation was complete and God rested. Oh, no. Verse, but see if that's true, then then two, five, six, and seven don't make any sense. Right. I'm just saying. I think that's correct. I think that's a that's a very plausible explanation since none of us were there.
0: He finished heaven and earth in one. Yeah, and then he said. Oh, I need this guy.
1: So no, he, he well, couldn't wow. have finished heaven and earth of, in one because in Genesis good. 1.31, it says what?
0: That's what I'm saying. 1.31 says, God looked over everything he had made and it was so good, so very good. It
1: and so and before that, go to 27. 1.27. Well, well,
0: 1.26 says, let us make man in our own
1: image. Right. And what's 1.27?
2: So God created man in his own image.
1: But man doesn't show up until 2.5 or 2.7. Right. Seven. right. So, so somewhere between... So he's thinking, imagining. Yes, yes. That's what Donna's saying.
6: Yeah, Thank I agree. That, that helps me a lot. Okay, Carol? Yeah, no,
4: I was just... Yeah. yeah.
1: So <laughs> so comes, somewhere between...
4: The, the, okay, this is what we're going to do. Here comes first piece a plan. Yes. Yeah. And then comes the execution of the plan.
1: It's his imagine? thought and his imagination... He's cooking it in his heart. And verse chapter 2 is where it comes Can forth.
2: Can you imagine what it would be like, like Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God going, let's make them like this. And what about this? And then it says in Proverbs, and they danced
1: in yeah. delight
2: over when they were creating man, they were dancing in delight. Yes.
1: Yeah. I
0: think
1: I, How joyful is that? Yeah, I know. So I'm just saying. Especially
2: I, when he thought of me. Now. Yeah. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> See, and, and, and I bring that up because... Because if you think Genesis chapter 1 starts creation in the literal sense, exactly in, in verse 1, you have some contradictions that you can't explain. Okay, And so coming back to ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. This is the new living. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. I look at Carol and I can see the divine nature of God because he's given me eyes to see. I look at Ron and it's a little bit blind. No, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding, Ron. No, but you see, the more you spend time with people, you know, I have to say this, getting a massage from this guy in one sense is an intimate relationship because, you know, you're kind of vulnerable, right? But we have some really great conversations and we get to know each other in the midst of that vulnerability. More vulnerable for me than him. But, uh, <laughs> but it, more painful for you than him. Yeah, more painful for me sometimes. But you see, the more we spend time with a person, the more we get to know them, the more we see what's inside making them tick. That's the invisible qualities. That's the same with God. The more we, you know, I used to hate meditation. I just couldn't get myself to do it because it was me having to do it. But now meditation is me just quieting down and letting him talk. And then I talk back, and then he talks, and I talk back. Yeah, you know, and it's it's a whole lot different perspective. When I was in legalism and I was in in do 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 modality, it was just one more thing that I had to check off the checklist, and I couldn't do it. So and I and I and I and I'm hoping that as we begin to realize that as we look at creation and realize we all have the capacity to see the invisible qualities in anyone else. And in our union and oneness, he reveals those. The more we can speak light and life in our union and oneness out into someone else. And that's part of co-creativeness. That could be a whole series right there. I'm seeing... That unseen. Well, and that's part of what Don has been t- trying to get us into.
2: So, and maybe this isn't appropriate, but I, this is something that I've been taught: is that the reason we had the cross in the fall is because we couldn't see the attributes of God as far as the mercy and the and all of those un- unless that happened. But I'm wondering if that's really true because if we're in Him in before know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I do know what you're saying.
2: So now I'm more confused because I've always wrapped my mind around it. What well, this was intentional.
1: It's because we've been taught this is the darkness that came. Let me let me finish the picture and then I'll come back to that. Here's the garden. And we have Adam, and then Adam and Eve have this thought mm-hmm. about being like God. Mm-hmm. And then Adam falls over <laughs> and That's darkness crazy. settles in. Okay? <laughs> And so we have 4,000 years of darkness, give or take. Maybe, who knows, but at least 4,000 years of darkness. And we've been taught, Sharon, that in that darkness, I can't see. Yeah. Okay? The reality is, the ability to see is there, but it's clouded. Mm-hmm. It's blinded. And so the cross, the incarnational reality, tears the veil of the darkness.
2: So could we see all those attributes of God before the
1: well? Did the prophets? I don't know if they did. Some of them did. They saw the future explanation or revelation of them.
2: Right, but the prophets came after Adam.
1: Mm-hmm. So what
2: I'm saying is I was taught that we couldn't see those or understand those the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God or the glory until the cross happened. Um, and that's why the fall was there, so okay. that God could show those attributes.
1: If you existed here... That's what
3: I'm asking, yeah.
1: There's nothing that suggests in the Scriptures that if, if you exist in eternity and He knew you in eternity, mm-hmm. that you didn't know Him. Yeah. And now, I think, here's the mystery. Yeah. What happens from eternity to birth? <laughs> Do I lose something? It's that birth canal does it. I mean, that's kind of what you're saying, Sharon, is, is when I became a natural being... Mm-hmm. Did I lose some of the capacity to see clearly? Mm-hmm. I think we did. Not because of, not because of the way God created, but because we were born into a mindset that limits our ability to see. So what, what, are, what have we been doing the last couple years? We've been breaking mindsets, haven't we? We're shifting perspective. And the more you ponder the ability to see, the more you're going to see. Because you all have the ability to see clearly. I was trained, though, not to see clearly. I was trained that, for lots of reasons, I didn't have the capacity to see clearly. Carol?
4: So this morning I had that scripture um, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts came up to me and and I'm like, okay, I need to behold that is a truth. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart, your heart, your heart, all mankind. And that's where I need to behold. You were talking about beholding a couple of weeks ago or last week or something. And it's like I need to behold that about myself, about people. Is to see, okay, the love of God is shed abroad in their hearts. Yes. And that's that seeing. Yes. And in being reminded that that's that's a fact. And if I take my eyes off of that, it's easy for me to look and see, oh no, that person's falling short, mm-hmm. I'm falling short, short, etc. etc. But no, I need to stick with holding the love yes. of God shed abroad in
1: your heart. And the love of God is shed abroad because he in everyone's heart because as he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust in the Old Testament scriptures. So everybody has has the love of God shed upon upon them and, and contained in them. But a lot of people just don't live it out. And in part, I I have my reasons to think why, but I'm not going to share those. Carol, can you scroll the next one?
2: <laughs>
1: there? Here's Genesis 2 The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. When, have you ever stopped to ponder what it means eastward eastward in Eden? Eastward from what? Now we're starting to think about what Marilyn's talking about. Yes, God's Marilyn. Throne? Well,
6: He might have been on earth. And he went up to heaven not, in, in spirit. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to come back to earth in our hearts. So after we die, all people, then we're back connected with them. Yeah. Like we were before we were born. Now, am I crazy? I
1: no, I'm crazy. Not, you're not crazy, Marilyn, no. But let's look at, let the, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. And the Lord God planted a garden, this is out of the Berean, in Eden, in the east, where he placed the man he had formed. So the garden is a place within a bigger place, right? Oh,
6: spiritual?
2: I think it's God.
1: You think it's God?
2: What was that? I think it's God. I think in God, there's a place, like there's a, there's God, right? And then there's a garden, or Eden, which is in the east, like I'm not, I'm not. I can't say what I'm seeing.
1: Atlantis. No, let me let me come at it this way. If the garden is a mindset within the heart of God, and man is created within the heart of God, mm-hmm. could that be the Garden of Eden? Mm-hmm. I think it's a possibility. It could be. It could be an allegory to that.
2: What's the east part? The right and left brain, right? not. <laughs>
1: I don't know.
0: And,
2: and,
1: and, and here's here's why I'm bringing this up.
2: all the time too on the right
1: We have been trained not to think and ask God questions, and that destroys imagination. And that's why I'm going here today, because if imagination is part of co-creation. Do you think he's offended if you ask him a question?
2: I mean, you think about it. Then he says, east, as far as the east is from the west.
0: Well, that's true, too.
1: Huh. Then look at the new living. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. So is it possible that it's both allegorical and a natural place? Because he put a naturally created person in a physical place. But it's also a deeper revelation. Eastern thought, Eastern training is, you look at, and this is all the Aramaic scriptures, you have to look first, there's a literal meaning, there's a moral meaning, and then there's a spiritual meaning. Mm -hmm. And we have been taught to stop at the literal meaning, Mm -hmm. which destroys imagination. So
0: what does East mean?
1: I don't know. You have to ask.
0: Oh, you
1: don't know. In I'm not. I'm not speculating today. You get, I'm, I'm raising it so you get to ask. Okay.
5: That's interesting. That the Eastern mindset <laughs> is closer to, is more evolved. Yes. And they yes. placed it in the East.
1: Yes.
3: What did
5: you Ron? say, Billy? You, you kind of have to look at this
3: as, where does God's land? God, god only talks about one piece of land that He owns. That, that would be Israel itself. So,
1: so it would be east of Israel, Jerusalem. That's my thought. Could be, could be. Sharon wanted you to repeat what you said.
3: Uh huh. So the <laughs>
5: Eastern mindset is, I, I think it was more involved where it has all those levels. We think of the literal, but they have the spiritual, etc. And he placed us in the east. So I just find that an interesting connection. There's something else that's been rolling around in my head. I, yeah. I have been listening to what you've been saying, but I'm still stuck on the question of what is eternity. Okay. So God imagined us and then created us. Yeah. What if eternity is his imagination?
1: Ding, 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 ding. What, what? What, what if eternity is his imagination? Right. And what if your imagination is the place you connect to eternity?
3: Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. And God
1: Himself
3: is the universe. Yes. I agree. And we live inside it.
1: See, I think I think the, the quantum physics, the quantum is God's heart. That's my personal opinion. I think it's God. It's His heart. It's where creation and the imagination take place, and that's where we are inspired from. That's cool. This is really deep stuff, <laughs>
2: but I like. But sorry. But I like the idea of like I love what we're learning and all of this because I think it's it's amazing. But I still can't wait till I I mean I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but I still can't wait till I'm done. Yeah. I and know. and that there's an eternity beyond the eternity within myself.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And sometimes I think people think that well it's not that anymore, it's just what we're doing here.
1: No. I think it's more. I think I, think I mean so too. Paul Paul longed. Paul longed for it. He talked about that.
2: He longed for his uh new body. Yes. I
6: can't wait to see what
1: that is. Yeah. See and all of that stirs that stirs imagination.
6: Mm-hmm. a flying horse.
1: Stirs imagination. Oh, I do not flying So, yeah, she, Marilyn Marilyn's imagining a quantum being a, f- a flying horse. I think that's cool. Because she she pulls that out of Revelation. Because Revelation is a book. That really, really stirs imagination. But I will tell you, re- when they put re- Revelation in the canon, it was with the understanding that it would not be used to teach doctrine. Say that again. When they put, when they put Revelation into the canon, it was a compromise of some people wanted Hebrews and some opposed. Some wanted Revelation and some opposed. So they put them both in, with the understanding they would not be used to teach doctrine.
0: Both
2: of them, or just Re- uh, Revelation? Both of them. Oh, Hebrews not supposed to be doing. Re- oh,
1: but Hebrews is written to the transitional generation, so you don't want to pull too much doctrine out of Hebrews anyway. But Revelation is an interesting book, but it starts with John having an imagination experience. Mm. And some of it, he says, he, I mean, he didn't even have words to quantify some of it. So to put doctrine on an imagination experience that he had trouble quantifying himself, that's a danger. Yeah,
2: And, you know, and the thing is, as it says, this is the revelation of Jesus. Yes. So, like, I've been asking him, because, like, when you read it, it can be scary and everybody thinks, you know, the end times and all that. But it's like there's got to be some really beautiful things in the imagery. <laughs> and in the story of mm-hmm. what he's saying that we're not seeing
3: mm-hmm. currently. If, if, if you look at insects and, and creatures and whatever, I mean really look at them close up. So, oh, like a bee and the and bee's eye. is so, you know, how, how God designed it and so forth. It looks kind real. of creepy. Mm-hmm.
1: I can't see Muriel.
3: So that means all things that that are in heaven that He made are going to be different than what what's here on earth. So, She's got so, her hand so, up, so, uh, like like a lobster. A lobster is a weird looking creature. Yeah. He made it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so so, so the, the the creatures around His throne, you know, are not going to be looking like human beings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Muriel's got her hand up. Which I just noticed. So, Muriel, jump in.
7: Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to put my hand up. But when you're talking about the revelation, I'll just mention this: that thought came. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Preston Eby. No, he has a great explanation on the revelations, very in depth, and he's still actually in the process of writing it. So,
1: how do how do you spell it, his last name?
7: Uh, e B Y Preston okay. Eby E-B-Y. Okay. He lives in uh, Texas.
1: Cool. to Check that out. Carol, let's go to the the next slide. So if you start breaking things down, God put man in the garden, right? Garden, an enclosure. The Greek word means an enclosure, and its definition is to cover, surround, and defend. God put Adam in some place where it was supposed to be safe. Safe from what?
5: Could be the earth. I know. Ourselves.
1: <laughs> Could be from?
6: The water from above and the water from below.
1: Could be there were others created and God took Adam and just made him the special of the creation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dang. <Whoa.
1: laughs> well, she asked the question who did Cain marry? Either oh, Cain, oh, yeah. either Cain married a sister and committed incest, or there was somebody else around. Yeah, but
2: there was well, no who could have created them? Huh? Sister? Who could have created them?
6: Only oh, God can create, I think. Yeah. It was just Adam and Eve and Cain. What sister?
1: I, you know, i I'm, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing, stir the brain today, because we're going to stir the brain for a while. But you see, she just said, "There's no, that, you know." Cain gets married and there's no reference to he had a sister at that point, so it's a little unlikely. Plus, if, in, if God... I know a Nathan,
6: a Nathan, what do they call them? Nephilim. They find the Nephilim. Nathan.
1: The Nephilim. No. <laughs> no?
6: No, because they weren't until later. Okay. These, these eight type creatures and between... Yes, thank you.
1: <laughs> I don't know. He,
6: he married one of them. Must be.
1: I don't know. Scriptures. <laughs> scriptures unclear.
6: I don't know. Maybe this some, some what reasons. kind of creatures. But why couldn't
2: he have just created a bunch of people? <laughs> he could have. And he just he didn't mention it.
1: it. He could have.
2: This
0: <laughs> is Moses, right? Writing.
1: Yeah, this is Moses writing a few thousand years later. So, so yeah. Moses is taking the oral tradition and, and putting it in written form. There's nothing that says he didn't create others. But if he created others, then he put Adam in a special place for a special reason. Adam being the representation of humanity. Okay. Well, you that kind of
6: blows your mind, because then.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to break us out of our box.
6: I got. I think that's so why aliens. God. Or, I think that's why God ordered the. Israelites to kill all the ites, like the.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe God ordered that. I think, I think whoever wrote that down wrote it wrong. I think they wrote from their own heart.
6: There you go, because because you have to look at the Old
1: Testament scriptures from the eyes of Jesus. Do you ever see Jesus killing anyone?
6: And the scribes sometimes put their own opinions in the in the in the sides of the scripture. What do you call that space?
1: They they interjected their own hatreds, their own passions. Their own desires. And I believe when he
6: translated that. Translated it to another language, it got added in.
1: Yep, some of it got added. But see, Jesus says on the road to Emmaus, and we're going to talk about that, in, probably over the winter, Jesus says on the road to Emmaus, you have to interpret the scriptures, the old covenant scriptures, the prophets and those teachings, as if you're looking and finding me. How do I know Jesus? I look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do I see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Jesus smiting anybody? No, oh. do I see him ordering them to smite would anybody? He, no.
6: What did he make the whip for in the temple? Then he didn't
1: smite them? them. He didn't kill them.
6: Oh, he just like shoot them away. Maybe yes. He the whip?
1: Yes. He he drove out what was an awful a poor influence in the temple. As an example to us, our heart is now the temple. Our body is now the temple. He's always trying to remove negative influences. Okay. But we don't see that Jesus smited anybody.
6: This is the best meeting ever. (laughs) (laughs) You see the the example of what did he do to
4: the man's ear? That yeah, he
1: put it back on. he He made him whole. And and he told and he told Peter, "You don't win by the sword." Right. So let's go to Colossians one twenty one. I'm having fun. I don't know if you guys are. I'm just I I like stirring the pot. King James Version, Colossians 1.21, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. And from the Berean, once you were alienated from God and were hostile in your minds, engaging in evil deeds. And the new living, this includes you who were once far away from God, you were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. So this whole thing, once Adam falls, quote-unquote, creates a sense of what? Separation. 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 In whose mind? Mine. Ours. Our own imagination. In our own imaginations, in our own minds, and out of our own imaginations, we start engaging in evil deeds. Evil being lack of light, lack of life, lack of love. Contrary to love. Violation of the law of love. However you want to describe it. You were alienated in enemies in your mind.
0: You were never, ever, ever taught that until grace. Yep. It was always you're his enemy, yep. you were separated.
1: Well, not only that, he chose to make you his enemy. Yeah. That's what we were taught. Ugh. He can't handle sin, so he backs up and separates from you. My always my first response to someone who says that is then how come? God is having a conversation with Cain.
2: Or he calls Satan before him and goes, Where were you?
1: Yes. What are you doing? Yeah.
2: And it's right in Psalm, or you know, way in the beginning, it says God will never leave you or forsake
1: you. Right. And, if, and if God can't handle sin and can't be around sin.
2: How do you become sin? Sorry.
1: Well, <laughs> how does Enoch get taken up without the cross? How does Elijah get taken up without the cross? How does he take on sin at the cross? See, there's some, there's some things that are freeing as we begin to ponder truth.
4: Well, even in... Sorry. I was going to say, how are you defining sin right
1: now? Well, we were traditionally taught that sin is bad behaviors. So for Cain, it was the murdering of Abel.
4: And how are you defining it as
1: you're well, talking? About- well, I'm just trying to, def- I'm going to define it in a minute. But see, when we come down to this black, this blackness, Calvin, de- Calvin just messed things up big time, morally depraved. Anybody in that state is morally depraved, and anyone born after the cross is still morally depraved until they have, until, until there's a realization that God chose them.
2: Well, right in the beginning, uh, God said to Adam, "Where are you? I've been looking for you." It was Adam that separated. Yes. So. Yes. And put the armor. I mean, if you think about those fig leaves, are kind of like a guard or a shield.
1: So the Orthodox Church, which is the church that came out of the cross, and stayed true to the original teachings of the of the early church fathers after the first four hundred years. See, once Augustine got in there, started to get this tension, and Augustine takes the church off in a neo-paganistic way, bringing in paganism principles, but the Eastern Orthodox stay true. They call sin a sickness in need of a cure. So Jesus becomes the Cure. cure. And to them, it's both behavioral and it's also thought. Okay, image problem. To me, sin is a lack of understanding of the image that's and right. likeness. Yeah. Okay, and the behaviors are the results of the lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I would define it, as Carol asked. So all of this, Carol, if you can go to the next slide. All of this is kind of a setup in one sense, because I want you to think. I want you to experience. Alienated. Definition to alienate a strange and it comes from the Greek word apo and alatrios apo, far away from and alatrios, belonging to another you're far away from the one you belong to that's alienation and that happens in our minds and I will tell you for the first 36 years of my life that's me And even from 36 to now, it has taken a long time to realize that's not me. Next slide. Ephesians 4.18. Having their understanding darkness, darkened, being alienated from the life of God, separated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Now, think about this. Were you ever really separated from the heart of God? No, you were separated from the experiential revelation and the life that was in that revelation. The Brian, being darkened in the understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of ignorance being in them on account of the hardness of their heart. Scripture talks a lot about hardness of heart. What's the hardness of heart then? Thoughts of uh, separation. Thoughts of separation, and the and the subsequent alienation, alienation, and condemnation of self.
0: Right. I would add narrow-mindedness.
1: Narrow-mindedness, them and us.
0: But you know, the wonderful thing is that the light is never gone.
1: No, it's not.
0: They're always
1: there. You see.
0: No matter how much Hitler you are, it's still there.
1: There's always a light.
6: Yeah. No one
1: Who's the light?
6: Jesus.
1: Jesus. Yes. Next slide. This will be the New Living Translation. Oops. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander f- far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. That is the best translation of the three. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them. When did God give life? Before the foundation of the universe. And they close their minds and harden their hearts. If you lock into a definitive... How do I say this? doctrine without considering the possibility you're wrong you've hardened your heart you're going to miss something
6: say this about what
1: if you lock into a doctrine about god doctrine being man's definition of relationship with god if you lock into that without the possibility of being of considering something else okay. you are going to miss something
2: yeah that's a hardened heart
1: that's the hardened heart okay Thoughts, Stuart?
3: You know, I'm just seeing this, and it's like, in, in relation to uh, about the last 15 minutes of what we've been talking about, I'm just imagining God wearing a psychiatrist cap. And he's looking at man and says, you guys have mental illness. I still love you, I'm still there, but that's, it's just that delusional thinking.
1: That's the orthodox view.
3: Yeah. And and we don't have that when our eyes are open.
1: And I could really mess with your heads and by going off into some traditional evangelical stuff, but I won't today. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see how whether creation, whether whether the garden is a literal event, or or whether it's a allegorical event? or whether it's a moral event, at all three levels, it all points to something happening in the psyche of man that caused man to step back and go, ooh, God's going God's to be mad at me. God's going to smite me. God's going to smack me silly. God's going to kill me. Yeah. He's going to punish me. All of that comes from A mindset that lost focus from back here—that you're very good. (laughs) That's
3: where I was coming from with with saying that about mental illness. That we've taken
1: that on when we didn't have to. Mm -hmm. Next slide. Yeah, we're almost done for today. I just—I can see your minds turning. To darken, definition, the mind, disposition, thought, understanding, intellect, mind, and insight, all darkened, which means you can't see the truth, or you're only seeing portions of the truth, and the portions you are seeing aren't setting you free. Who has to make the revelation of truth real to you?
4: Holy Spirit.
1: Holy Spirit. You can search the scriptures all day long and not find life in them. Isn't that what Jesus told the Pharisees? Until there's a revelation of Holy Spirit, those scriptures are just words on a paper until, they're, until they come up inside of you. Well, oh, gee, I thought somebody would throw a rock at me for that one, <laughs> <laughs> Valerie. You look like you're like pondering deep right now. Talk to me. I a lot
5: floating through my mind. <laughs> what can I do to help? It's
1: percolating. <laughs> Anything I can do to help?
5: Not yet.
1: Okay. Sharon. I
5: didn't even hear
2: what you said, so I didn't have the opportunity to cast a rock.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I, I'll give you an opportunity. I said, the scriptures are words on a paper until the Holy Spirit brings them alive to you.
0: Yep. Don't tell that to a loser. Yeah.
1: Well, they are are not the fourth part of the Trinity. Okay.
4: What, lizards or (laughs) the... Yeah. I lost the train of thought there. The Scriptures are not the fourth
1: part of the Trinity. John 1.1, Jesus is the Word. The Scriptures are the Scriptures. Jesus is the Word. Now, the Scriptures bring life when there's illumination. And in a hardness of heart... Or a darkened mindset, we don't always want illumination.
5: (laughs) That's where I was stuck. It's like he can be bringing revelation, but we're not always willing to receive it.
1: Yeah, but you know what? He's constantly coming at you. It might be a song today, it might be someone talking to you. You might actually read the scriptures and have that. How many times have you read a scripture and you went, I never saw that before? And you've read it a hundred times. So
2: I heard this this week, and it was about like the word, you know where it says in in the Bible, it talks about the word came and it it waters and and doesn't return void, that the word that came, like I always thought it was a scripture, Mm -hmm. but it's him. He came, and he will not return void, and everything he's set to accomplish will occur.
1: And not only does he not return void, but he says, when I am lifted up, all mankind will be lifted up with me.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Union. Mm-hmm. One minute.
1: Next one, Carol. I think that uh, yeah, other way. How did we get there? Are we done? Scroll back down all the way. Just keep scrolling. I'm gonna see where we're at. I guess we're done. That was all of them for today. Thanks. You can you can unshare or stop the share now. I started here today because I want to launch into some depth of challenging. Challenging to open your minds in a few weeks. When I After next week, I'll be back. But this sets up, and as we've talked about before, grace is the theme that runs through here. How you deal with that, or how you deal with this fall, is what splits the church today. You know, there's, there's almost 500 million Orthodox believers today. They have held true to the traditional teachings from day one. There are millions of Catholics, if not billions. There are millions of Protestants, if not billions. There are millions of atheists. All of which tend to start here. So many people have rejected God because they can't reconcile the God of the Old Testament that that they have been taught is the God of the lightning bolt. And so they walk away going, I can't deal with that. But what if he is truly the God of love who wants nothing but the best for you? Sharon.
2: That lady, I don't know what her name is, but she said in one of her quotes uh, that it's not our darkness that we fear, it's our light and the glory that's in us. And I think that's what scares a lot of people, is if all of this is true,
0: then that's a pretty scary thought. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes them, the, the other part is comfort to them, because that's all they've known. Yeah. So if, if they, if a light comes in, then it dispels that darkness, and they're like, whoa, where am I now?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. 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 It makes it's a nice. lot of sense, because we fear what we don't understand. Yeah.
1: Now, I told you, you don't have to believe exactly what I say because it's not about me, but it's about challenging you to go deeper with God. Muriel.
7: I was just going to say that my moment of turnaround for me from where I was at was the day that I said to the Lord, I'm totally trusting you. I'm I'm giving you my all. And at that point, that was when everything
1: changed. Mm-hmm.
7: That was the stepping into the light
1: yep. from the dark. Don't yeah. regret it, do you?
7: Not one bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I just wanted to tweak you guys today in a good way. Because sometimes we just get set in our ways and we got to be tweaked. The risk risk even in grace is we get set in our ways, and it becomes a doctrine as opposed to a a living relationship.
0: He's so much bigger than what we could think or imagine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even what we can imagine, he's greater than that.
1: All right, so that's kind of the setup for a couple of weeks.
4: Should I stop recording this?
1: Yeah, you can stop the recording.